Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar Magazine, sponsored by Phi Beta Kappa. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastek. Black Beauty, Flicka, Secretariat, National Velvet, Misty of Chincoteague, and all the rest, horse books are a genre unto themselves, occupying an entire shelf or more, should you add the 112 books in the Saddle Club series, all of which I read, horse books occupying an entire shelf of girls' bedrooms everywhere. For all of the girls who lived and breathed horses, whether on the page or in the barn, the infatuation meant something that is difficult or even embarrassing to explain outside of the stable. The new essay collection, Horse Girls, edited by Halima Marcus, the executive director of Electric Literature, smashes all the stereotypes you might hold about riders and the way they relate to their horses, with diverse essays from the literary likes of horsewoman Jane Smiley and aspiring horse girl Carmen Maria Machado. Halima Marcus joins us to talk about all things horses. Thanks for chatting with me, Halima. It's my pleasure. Horse girl is a term that I first encountered when I was in my mid-20s, several years after I had stopped riding. So I feel like despite being identified as a horse girl, I'm pretty new to the term. So what is a horse girl? I had a similar experience. I was trying to remember if when I was young um, as a kid and then in my teenage years, if I had ever been called a horse girl or was aware of it. And perhaps, but I think I mostly encountered it in this retroactive way, in this cultural moment where where suddenly people were making fun of horse girls or she was a horse girl. Or then, of course, once you start paying attention to something, you, you see it everywhere. And then I would see like jokes. I remember seeing a joke about it on Schitt's Creek or it just comes up. So I think typically it's a term that is other people are using not to define themselves, but to define a group of girls who ride horses, obviously. But there's a bit of like a derogatory sprinkle on it in that they're maybe a little bit outcast. They're maybe a little bit awkward. I think of like being oblivious um, to social mores. You know, it's it's the girl that's like pretending to be a horse on the playground or in my own case, wearing a sweatshirt that had like horse heads on the front and horse butts on the back and thinking that was a good idea, something to wear to school. Um, Other parts of the stereotype are someone who's rich and spoiled, um, typically white and heterosexual. Um, It can go in a direction of being very beautiful and and put together. So there's a lot there. in the process of writing this book, I think we've sort of arrived at a potential different definition, but that was my starting point. Yeah, and quite a starting point. I feel like the movie Horse Girl with Alison Brie did not exactly help matters. No, it's like a smelly weirdo, if you want a soundbite definition. So where did this book come from? Where did the desire to assemble 14 writers who are also writers and you know, to, to call the book Horse Girls is itself pretty bold. It's kind of like a, you know, a middle hoof to the rest of the world. <laughs> Good one. It came first from an essay that I wrote for Amazon Original Stories about my own experience as a teenager finding a way to overcome an eating disorder through riding um, and also using riding 
as an escape for what I found to just be really tough adolescence, not in a particularly unique way, but, you know, my parents were strict. I had a lot of self-hatred that I think so many adolescent girls deal with, but then finding this outlet to escape all that through horses. Uh, So I wrote this essay, which I had originally pitched to be much more narrowly focused, and then it expanded to kind of be about everything in my life and expanded to be about gender and expectations. And I thought, wow, there's so much more to this topic that I cannot personally cover. I had sort of articulated my niche of what this all meant to me. I also just noted that in writing this essay, it just brought up so many feelings for me of kind of embarrassment. Trying to take it seriously was a challenge, you know, I thought is something that you're supposed to just sweep away in the past and move on from and not engage with any longer. And so there's just so much material there to explore. And I knew that in order to explore it, it had to be done in this polyphonic way with all these different voices coming at it from different angles and dismantling the stereotypes to build back up, I think, something that hopefully we can be proud to have something to say about or to relate to. Yeah, I related to almost every essay in some little way, whether it was a sentence or like the reason why someone quit. And it, you know, it was just kind of astonishing, this whole range of experiences, so different and so similar from my own. And I was wondering how you figured out what to include or even who to approach. Like how, I mean, it's obvious that Jane Smiley is a horse girl or, you know, a horse woman. She's definitely a horse woman. But, (laughs) you know, some of these other writers, how did you know? Well, it started first with my own network. I'm an editor in my day job um, at Electric Literature. And so there were some writers that I knew from either their other writing or from a personal relationship that they wrote. But it was tricky because it's not something that a lot of people are advertising necessarily. Um, It's something maybe that they don't really talk about or doesn't come up in their writing. So there was a little bit of sleuthing involved. I asked Carmen Maria Machado because there was one throwaway line in her memoir in the dream house that she had been a wannabe horse girl. So I emailed her. um, T. Kara Madden addressed it a little bit in her memoir. So I was being a little bit of a detective um, to discover who might have something to say on the subject. But I did eventually and rather quickly exhaust my networks of writers who would also have something to say. And so I knew that inclusivity and representation was going to be very important to this book. Um, I didn't want to put out a book that was just a bunch of people who look the same or had the same experience. And that applies both to race and ethnicity and gender orientation and sexual orientation, but also regionality and what kind of writing they did and just what kind of experience they had, what kind of style they write in. I really wanted there to be a variety. So I put out open calls and got some of the really fantastic essays that way. I also just asked everyone who contributed, do you know anyone, do you know anyone? And uncovered people's secret horse girl pass that way. Who was the most surprising horse girl in assembling this stable? Well, I think it's not necessarily surprising, but it meant so much to me that Alex Marzano-Lesnovich was willing to talk about the experience 
of being a so-called horse girl, given that they don't identify as a girl. And that time in their life is charged and painful as it is for so many, just because it's an awkward time, but it has this added element of perhaps not wanting to revisit a time when they were living in a gender that they didn't identify with and to even have their name on a book that has the word girl in the title, you know, it's, it's complicated. And so for me, that was a really important essay to include. But I think the great irony of the term horse girl and what I discovered through editing all these essays and, and through reflecting on my own experience is that riding and being around horses is a genderless experience. Like, I personally, and I think many of the writers here, don't feel like a girl or a woman or any gender when interacting with horses. You're just like a human and an animal. It's so freeing and powerful. And so then to turn around and have to use a term that has the word girl in it, it's just never going to fit. And so whether that's a bratty pony or that's an old lesson horse who won't go forward or it's a horse that's a part of your family. I think that's what I, I kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think horses really do mean something different in every story. And there's a huge range in there, you know, from saddlebred to Arabian to thoroughbred to like a little brat of a pony. So, you know, in assembling it and looking through all the essays, is there a through line for you and what horses mean to each of these writers? What I came to in the end was this idea of freedom and escape. If you think about, okay, there's this stereotype that girls love horses and they're obsessed with horses. Where does that come from? What is it about girls or girlhood? And I think that It's a lot about the ways that girls are told to be constrained, confined, quiet, well-behaved, well-presented, well-turned-out. And it's, for many girls, a sort of loophole where this is something that you're either permitted or even encouraged to do, that suddenly you're able to escape all of that, all of those restraints and pressures and connect with this domesticated but yet essentially wild beast and it's and it's really freeing uh you did mention starting back up again and there's a line in the first essay by t kira madden about how why you stop writing is a simple question so i'm not going to ask that Uh, i'll ask instead the one she does which is why did you start again well part of it had to do with the book i mean i wanted I sort of confronted this desire that I had to write again in the essay I mentioned that I wrote in, I think, 2016 or 2017. Realized there was so much more about this topic. Realized the feeling that I had, the longing that I had, wasn't going away on its own. It kind of had to be dealt with. And so it was something I had on my distant to-do list that you're like, have no timeline for or plan to ever get to. But once I started working on this book, it became, it moved from that fantasy to-do list to the real to-do list where I needed to figure out how to make it fit in my life. Um, I moved out of New York City. That was a key component. I mean, I just didn't, I didn't want to ride around 
in a city park, um, walking and start, you know, I wanted to do a little, a little more. I mean, that's a sort of logistical reason, which they're powerful. Like I think I put a lot of weight on the logistical reasons because then it can, you know, help avoid the emotional reasons. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I just, in writing that essay in, in assembling this book and editing these essays worked through any kind of lingering apprehension or shame I had, um, figured out how to make it work. Another big component was just being okay, just doing it for pleasure. You know, I said, oh, I don't want to walk around on a horse in a city park. Well, am I better than that? Like, no, actually that probably would have been a nice thing for me to do. And now I'm just riding a couple times a week and I'm not getting this really competitive fury that I used to have where it's like all or nothing and I have to ride every day and be really great or not do it at all. So finding a value that is different from the value that I took or the approach that I took when I was young. Yeah, I distinctly remember being 18 and going off to college and, you know, like even throughout my teenage years, looking at all of the women who came back to riding in their 30s after a break and being like, that's not going to be me. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to be different. I thought the same thing. But also when you're 18, you're going to college, that juncture was like, are you going to become a professional? Mm -hmm. Are you going to pursue it at the highest level? Are you going to make it your career? There was never, I never gave myself the permission or asked myself the question at that age, like, oh, well, you know, this is something you really love. How could you keep it as a part of your life, even if you're not going to pursue it at the highest level, even if you're not going to study it in school, even if you're not going to go to a school where that has a riding team or, or whatever it is. And I think that a lot of people face that kind of question at that age whether it's horseback riding or soccer or gymnastics or violin or whatever you are pursuing as a young person, what is what value and fulfillment can you find from it if you're even if you're not going to be one of the best or even in the middle? <laughs> you're going to be a true amateur, an adult amateur. Right. And that's such a contrast, I think, from how we embrace these childhood passions, especially if you did it competitively and came to be a certain level. And then you just stop for whatever reason. And I, it was it was comforting in a way to read all of these stories and realize how not unique our experience was. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of comfort in being seen and having your experience reflected and knowing that it's not so unique and you know there's comfort in that whatever you thought all other so-called horse girls were like you see oh they're they're like me and they're like other people and they're not like me and there's this wide range and it's can be something that you can forge your own individual relationship with almost because so many other people are navigating those same questions and that's what it was interesting to discover. And that's what I was kind of getting at when I was talking about finding your experience reflected in other people, even if they're not like you in certain ways, is that d did I low-key feel like I was the only person that had this really complicated, shameful, tormented relationship with it to find that lots of people have that same feeling? A little bit, yes. I mean, I wasn't so 
binary ignorant is that but it was just amazing to see the echoes across the different essays some of them were more emotional thematic some of them are really specific um that it's it's not like this this straight straightforward thing i mean it's just wrapped up in so many other issues of gender and power and ambition and um you know having a family having a career I think one of the reasons I've been able to come back to it in this kind of adult amateur way is I have other things going on in my life, which I thought was the obstacle, but it actually kind of helps because it's not like I'm a teenager and horseback riding is the only thing that I care about. I have another job, you know, I have my friends and my family and I have actually lots of other interests and hobbies that compete for my time. It is at once an obstacle to doing it, but it allows me to not be so one one track minded. Yeah. I mean, did editing this collection change your relationship to the term horse girl? Like, do you identify as one? Have you reclaimed it in a way with this collection? I would say no. I think that, you know, my my publicist or someone would probably <laughs> say you should say yes. I mean, I originally wanted it to, you know, kind of thought of it as an ironic title and then quickly learned, like, you can't have an ironic book title. Like, you have to, you have to stand by it. I mean, I've certainly, my relationship to horses and the whole world of horses and to being a woman who loves horses has absolutely changed. I think it's a convenient term um, in certain ways, and I don't have a better one necessarily, but it's not something that I identify as despite putting it in the world in, in this way. I mean, I wanted the essays in many ways to be a contrast to that term. And so there's a tension between what you read about and the title of, of the book. It has, I mean, it has been reclaimed and it has been redefined, but, you know, like I'm a 35 year old woman, I probably not going to identify as a girl, but it's, it's been fun to, to play with it and, and, and for people to say, like, I'm a recovering horse girl. I like recovering horse girl <laughs> or recovering rider, lapsed rider. It's not as simplistic as just being like, yeah, I'm a horse girl now. We have links in the show notes to Horse Girls, edited by Halima Marcus, and several essays excerpted from the book. Though the entire collection is well worth a read, this recovering horse girl will tell you. And if you know any horse girls and you have longed to understand them, this may well be your chance to strike up a conversation with a little bit of intel under your riding hat. We'll be back next week. Till then, take care and stay sharp. <laughs>